0: Well, I want to just welcome you all this morning. You can have a seat. You'll get me under control. I'm just full of the Holy Ghost this morning. Come on. Come on. Come on. It was uh, funny. As a pastor was doing the communion meditation there, uh, I leaned over to Miss Diane and said, he needs to stop. He's stealing my sermon. So... (laughs) It's this confirmation that the Holy Spirit has us tied together, right? Okay, yes, amen. How are y'all doing this morning? God. Amen. I tell you that uh, selfishly, I prayed this morning that I have a good time up here this morning, okay. yeah. and uh, I prayed that uh, to be a full house, and God answered, so thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to get started this morning, and, and I have a couple questions to start out this morning, and, and one of them I asked my—Joanie, uh, awesome job up there. Oh, <clears throat> I, uh, I asked one of these questions to our, our Forge men's group, but uh, the first question I got this morning to start out with is, is righteousness, and, and, and what is it? Uh, the second question is, are you righteous? Righteousness, in its in its deeper spiritual uh, meaning, righteousness is the quality of being right in the eyes of God, including character, which is your nature, your conscience, which is your attitude, your conduct, which is your your actions, and your command, which is your word. Um, being righteous uh, is a spiritual. Um, condition of being found innocent of sin before God if we've never sinned then we're righteous but having sinned uh, the only way to, to be found righteous before God is to be forgiven of those sins yes. and then my third question and this is the one that I asked the forge Ben the other night and and I got a, a, a varying responses. I got a, a couple strong yeses. I got a, a few not so sure. And I, I had a handful of nope, absolutely not. And that was, are you as righteous as Jesus? And I just want you to, to ponder that question this morning. Uh, as I go through my message. If you guys would bow your heads with me for a moment. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you continue to overflow your presence in this atmosphere. Lord, I pray that you work through me this morning, that I can deliver the word that you put upon my heart as you and I have practiced it this week, Lord, with enthusiasm and passion. And I pray that you open the hearts of the congregation to receive your word. That any word that I speak is not of mine, but truly of yours. And that there is less of me and more of you. For he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I need to... I feel it this morning. Come on. So I asked you... To ponder the question, are you as righteous as Jesus? And as I get started here, I have to give some credit to Pastor Robert Morris. He's the guy that uh, uh, we do our Truly Free uh, curriculum off off of. Some years ago, I've I seen a, a sermon of his that I, I I borrowed a lot from. I can't say I steal it because it, it's the Holy Word. It's God's word. That's right. But there's things throughout the bible that as i grew up that i heard people talk about righteousness in, in other parts of the bible and when the story that i'm going to retell robert did it in such a way that i it just like clicked i was like i got it and it was so moving to me that it stuck with me over the years and as i was preparing this message it it was it was what i was supposed to to speak and then pastor calls me and says that we're doing communion. Goes right along with communion. And then pastor gets up here and the Holy Spirit has us united to the word that, that, that just flows with what he said during his communion meditation. If you would, would you open your Bibles to the book of John chapter 20. I'm not going to apologize, but I will tell you, there are going to be a lot of verses in scripture this morning. Amen. <clears throat> As you, as you find your way, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV translation. But as you find your way to the book of John, chapter 20, uh, the previous ver- previous chapter 19, it's it's uh, not to belittle it, obviously, but that's the the story of the, you know Jesus's death, crucifixion, his burial in a in a borrowed tomb that was sealed up with a big old stone, and then. We move into chapter 20, John chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. You know, the, the cliff notes of verses 1 through 10 is Mary Magdalene is, is checking on Jesus' grave. And, and when she gets there, she realizes that the big old stone had been rolled away and that Jesus' body was missing. And so she runs back to where the disciples were hanging out, right? They were actually they were hiding as we 'll find out here later, but uh, they were hiding out and and they all ran down to jesus 's tomb to verify that Mary knew what she was talking about that jesus 's body was missing and then in verse ten it says, "You know once they saw they looked in the tomb, they realized that you know jesus 's body was missing in verse ten it says, "Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. What I want to point out to you is the first eight words of verse one, it says, early on the first day of the week. So store those first eight words, because I'm going to refer back to them later in the message. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went down to the tomb. So let's pick up in uh, verse 11, if you would. <clears throat> John chapter 20, verse 11, it says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over and she looked into the tomb. Verse 12, and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. This is a very important picture right here. Verse 13, they asked, the angels that were sitting there, they asked, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she says, and I don't know where they have put him. So, a quick bunny trail here. What Mary had just saw is a perfect representation of the Ark of the Covenant. Of the Old Testament. I lost my spot. We'll be there. (laughs) The atonement cover... Was the lid of the Ark of the Covenant? On the top of it stood two cherubim or two angels, and their their the two, their wings came in together. If you know the description of the Ark of the Covenant, and the cherubim was a symbol of God's divine presence and power. Yep. Uh, they were facing downwards towards the Ark with outstretched wings, and they covered the atonement. Uh, they covered over the atonement cover. the The atonement cover was was God's dwelling place in the tabernacle. It was his, his throne flanked by angels. You know, every year, the high priest, they, they would come into the Holy of Holies and, and with burning incense, and the incense was to help kind of mask their vision of God's presence, because they couldn't be in there, and, and they would... They would sprinkle blood of, of bulls on the atonement cover to cover their sins and their family's sins so that they could continue to do their job, what they were called to do, and then they would sprinkle blood of the bulls to atone for Israel's sin, for man, mankind's sin. You know, and, and when God saw this, he, would, he promised that when he saw the blood, it would cover over man's sin to, to atone to cover over, hence the atonement cover. And and God did not see the sin of man anymore, of Israel anymore at that time. And what he saw there, that sacrifice, appeased his wrath or his anger. What Mary was looking at was, was right there was where Jesus had been placed. In front of her, between two angels... One at the head and one at the foot. Come on. Jesus had been placed there as the atonement of man's sin. Anyway, that that's a whole another that's a whole another sermon. But it's it's a it's a parallel to the Ark of the Covenant in the New Testament of Jesus' sacrifice. Back at, in John verse or chapter twenty. Uh, Let's pick back up in verse 14. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. Verse 15, he asked, Jesus asked, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Verse 16, Jesus said, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Arabic, Rabboni, which means teacher. She recognized him. Verse 17, Jesus said, do not hold to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father, your Father. To my God, your God. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them uh, all that he had said these things to her. So let's catch up real quick. Verse 15, Mary turns around and sees this dude standing outside of the grave, right? Maybe he was in it, but I'm saying he's out of it. You know, He's outside the grave, she doesn't recognize him. She, she mistakes him for the, the gardener. Yeah. Um, a better description might be the, the groundskeeper or the grave digger. Mm-hmm. Uh, modern day terminology, it's called a sexton. I know this because my father Jay is one. My dad's a, a grave digger, also known as the gardener because, you know, he's planting people in the ground. Uh, I don't know if you guys got that. Anyway, anyway. I didn't get my joke this morning, so yeah. So, why might Mary mistake Jesus as the gardener or the grave digger? Well, I've seen my dad come home from work from the cemetery. You know, he's dirty and dusty. He's filthy. He even stinks a little. I won't go as far as to say he smells like the dead, but he does stink. Also, keep in mind that up until this point, Mary had never seen Jesus with sin on him. Jesus was standing there covered and carrying all of man's, mankind's sin upon him. He had not yet ascended to the Father. He hadn't been redeemed. He he even states that in in verse 17, but we'll get there in just a second. But I need to, you know, recap verse 16. Jesus says, you know, Jesus says, Mary, it's me, Jesus, right? And we can all assume that that Mary kind of freaked out, went crazy, you know, when she recognized him. You know, only just like what we would do, right? If we seen our Lord and Savior that had just been murdered by crucifixion three days earlier, placed in a tomb, sealed up with a stone, and then here he is standing in front of us, right? We would kind of go, you know, a little crazy, you know. He said, you know, Mary, it's me, Jesus, you know, and we can just imagine what, she, what she, you know, she ran to cling to him, and in some translations it says that he, he you know, she wanted to cling to him, or grab a hold of him. She wanted to give him a hug, right? She just realized her Lord and Savior wasn't dead. She wanted to to embrace him. But in verse 17, as Mary's running towards Jesus, Jesus says, Mary, don't touch me. Don't touch me, Mary. Why? Why Why would Jesus tell me not to touch him? Jesus said it because he was dirty. He was filthy. He probably reeked of sin. It wasn't his sin. He reeked of shame and guilt. It wasn't his guilt. It wasn't his shame. His hands and feet had unhealed holes in them where the nails had pinned him to the cross. His skin was probably still hanging from his body from all the, the beatings that he had received. He told her, don't touch me because right now I am sin. But I'm headed home to dad. I'm headed home to our father. I'm headed home to our God. I'm headed home to be redeemed. Let me finish up with the rest of the story in in verse 19 and 20. Excuse me. verse 19, uh, chapter 20, it says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, uh, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came among them and said, Peace be with you. Verse 20, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And, and wrap up in 21, it says, and Jesus, said to, and Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Before I move on, remember those words back in 19 that I ask you to remember? <clears throat> uh, let me... Before we move on, I'm going to back up here. Here we go. Before we move on, reread the last 10 ver- uh, words of 19 on the evening of the first day of the week. And then remember the first eight words it says early on the first day of the week. Where had Jesus been all day? He's been with the Father. know what has happened what has happened from the time when he stood in front of mary and says don't touch me don't cling to me well and and to to now where he's standing in a room with the disciples and he's showing them his hands and his side what's what's been going on where's he been Mary saw him and said don't don't touch me in the morning but now he's here in the afternoon and the evening and he's saying disciples go look at me. Where's he been? Verse 17 told us, Jesus himself, he says I'm ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. While the disciples were hanging out in the locked room Jesus was ascending to the father. Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12 um, says this is kind of a description of what Jesus was doing. Verse 12 of Hebrews 9, he did not enter by means of goats and calves. Remember the Ark of the Covenant parallel? But he entered the most holy place for all his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption wasn't by the sacrifice of bulls and calves was the atonement for sin happening. It was his blood. He was entering the most high as a as, as sacrifice. And he was, he, he was in the most holy place being redeemed by the Father. <clears throat> if you would turn to Daniel chapter 7 you start at verse nine. Daniel is a prophet of the Old Testament, and a, a lot of uh, people will tell you that the the prophecies that Daniel is speaking of is of the end times. I'm not going to here to argue one way or the other on that right now, but I think that's a a, a good description of maybe what was going on that day from the time. Mary couldn't touch him to the time that he came back and presented himself to the disciples, and he he could be touched. Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, it says, and this is Daniel speaking. As I looked, uh, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothes were as white as snow, his hair on his head was like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were ablaze. Verse 10, a river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. 10,000 times ten thousands before him. The court was seated, and the books were open. Verse 11, Daniel's still speaking. He says, and then I continue to watch... Because of the boastful words the horn was speaking, I kept looking until the beast was slain and his body destroyed and thrown into a blazing fire. Daniel 12, the other beasts had been stripped of their authority and they were allowed to live for a period of time. The Son of Man was given his dominion. Verse 13, In my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like the Son of Man, coming with a cloud of heaven, he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. They say that when, when Jesus was crucified, he, he descended into Hades or hell, and he ministered his father's word to the to the um, the saints that had had not had a chance to accept Christ or accept what was going on. They were being held for a time like this, and Jesus Descended into the Hades for these, these three days while he was separated from his father and he, he, he ministered his word. And he said when he, when he came up, when he ascended up, as he, you know, as he was ascending to the father, he brought a cloud of witnesses with him. This is the witnesses I believe that they're talking about right here. Verse 14 of Daniel 7. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Let's jump down to verse 21 and 22, please. Same chapter 7 of Daniel's. It's awful quiet out there. You guys doing all right this morning? Yeah. Okay. Verse 21, uh, chapter 7 says, uh, this is Daniel still speaking. It says, as I watched, the horn was raging war against the holy people and defeating them. Daniel seven twenty-two, right here until the Ancient of Days came in and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the Most High and the time came and they possessed the kingdom. Let me me put it this way and that from the time that Jesus was telling Mary don't touch me to the time that he was standing later that afternoon with the disciples over here saying, it's me, Jesus, look, my side, my hands. He was filthy with sin over here. He was redeemed and cleansed of sin over here. On the afternoon while the disciples were hiding out, Jesus was in a courtroom. Satan was seated over here, and, and the saints were seated over here. And then God our Father, the ancient of days, he entered the courtroom and he sat upon his throne. He's the judge. He looks down at his, down at his son Jesus. You know can you just imagine it? You got sin and Satan over here, you have Jesus' kingdom and, and, and redemption over here. And you got Jesus standing here. And God looks down at his son. And he says, he's standing there beaten. He's standing there bloody and bruised. He was the perfect sacrifice, the perfect witness for, for the redemption of man's sin. And, he, and he's standing there, and God is looking at him. And this is, this is what I think happened. You got sin and shame and, and the devil sitting over here that has dominion over the earth at that time. And you got Jesus and the perfect witness and, and all those that he, are his followers over here. This is what I believe happened. Satan, you lose. Saints, you win. Come on. Come on. I think that deserves a better praise than that. I think so too, yeah. You give us here a praise for Jesus. on that afternoon that we don't really recognize we don't really see we understand it but I understand it better now so let me bring it back to my questions that I I started out with this morning the ultimate question is are you as righteous as Jesus Jesus Romans 5:19 says this For just as through the disobedience of one man who was Adam the many were made sinners also through the obedience of one man Jesus the many were made righteous Romans 10 verse 4 says Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. I promise you, this is my last verse. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for for us, for you and for me. So that through him, through Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. If you believe what happened on that day, and you accept it, you can with all confidence and all authority raise your hand to say that you are as righteous as Jesus. Church, would you just stand to your feet with me? See, only through believing and confessing that Jesus died and was buried and rose again, stood in that courtroom that day as a perfect sacrifice and the perfect witness for the forgiveness of sin on our behalf, on my behalf, and on your behalf, yes. we can stand here today. We can stand here and say we are as righteous as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Let me tell you all this morning that in God's eyes, if you've done that, you are as righteous as his son Jesus. Yeah. Because you you accept Jesus as your Savior You are forgiven and you are seen blameless. You're seen spotless and you have been redeemed and you are righteous. If you can believe it, receive it, give him a praise. So, listen, church pastor already he, asked, he, he primed the water pump, so to speak, this morning already during communion. If there's anyone in the house or online, if you're online listening to us this morning, I know the guys can put up a phone number and if, if no one answers the phone, leave a message because I promise you someone will get back with you. Yes. And if you need to, uh, if you can't say that you're as righteous as Jesus because you either haven't taken those steps or maybe you just as pastor said you, you've strayed you've made those promises to God but you feel that like you're backsliding or you're deconstructing whatever the term is nowadays give us a call leave a message reach out we would be happy and honored to be able to walk with you through that yes. if you're in the church I've I, I, pose the same question that pastor did earlier, if if you've never taken the steps to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and call yourself righteous I, I pray and I ask you to be bold to step forward I would even go as far as there are probably some I pray not but there are some in this church that and others around that maybe have said that and they sit and they fill a pew or they fill a seat and you've been coming for so many years that you, would, you feel, might feel embarrassed to step out, I, I challenge you to step out and, and maybe rededicate your life to Christ or step forward because filling a seat and being righteous are two different things. Come on. Well said. If anybody, my final plea. If anybody feels that they cannot call themselves righteous or have never taken the step and they want to, I encourage you to step forward this morning.